I'm Paula Rogers-Brown, Business Community Manager for Connect Health Tech, and in this episode of Joining the Dots, we explore innovative educational programs that equip individuals with the key skills and knowledge needed to embark on an entrepreneurial journey. For this episode, I will be speaking with a previous participant of the Cambridge Judge Business School's Enterprise Tech and Enterprise Techstar programmes. Joining me today is Broderick House. Broderick is a Harding Distinguished Postgraduate Scholar in the Department of Zoology at Cambridge University, based in the Aquatic Ecology Group. Broderick, thank you so much for joining me today. So tell me more about yourself and your research interests. Yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for um, inviting me to speak and, and to talk about my experience as well. So yeah, so my research um, is in the Aquatic Ecology Group here at the University of Cambridge. And specifically, I'm doing somewhat of a different approach um, to aquaculture, really is what I'm looking at, but more specifically with oysters. Um, and so most people may know or may not know but your oysters are grown in the coastal regions off of many uh, countries and whatnot. And so what we're trying to look at is how to grow them in a city, say London, for example, or New York City. And that's really because they're so high in, in protein and nutrition and micronutrients that individuals are uh, micronutrient deficient. In. And so what we're wanting to do is expand the, um, the reach of those, those important blue foods, if you will, or foods grown from the ocean. That sounds really, really interesting. So tell me, just expand a little bit more about the oysters and the and the protein element there, because oysters are, I would say, an acquired taste. Is there a plan to extract the 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 good nutrients from the oysters, or is it a is it about serving them up whole? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, most people veer away from oysters just because of a textural thing or a taste thing. So you're absolutely correct. That's definitely one potential opportunity is to really grow them and then kind of um, dry them, apply them into you know different things that you wouldn't necessarily have to eat raw. But we're also, um, so you've hit it on the head, so we're also expanding and looking at mussels as well. So something that's a little bit more appealing that people are more familiar with. But that's also part of the research side is really trying to understand what um, are people interested in and how do we get them into kind of mainstream culture in terms of eating? There's different cultural kind of expectations around these things as well. So it's about combating that as well. So it's the, this very um, complex um, and excitingly complex situation. But yes, uh, there are ways to kind of dry them out or do different things with them. And, and we're exploring those as well. So no, you don't have to sit there thinking you have to have this goopy thing. <laughs> exactly. Thank God. So tell me, Broderick, what was your path to your PhD work now? Yeah, well, hopefully um, for anybody listening, um, it'll be relieving to say that it was not a straightforward path by any means. And so I think that's becoming more increasingly popular, especially after the pandemic and, and really having time to think about what we want to do with our lives. Um, so I actually have a, I have a background in biochemistry. Uh, my original um, intent was to become a physician. So um, I am from the United States. So it's kind of broken down differently where you do a, a degree um, and then go to medical school. Um, and so my background, my, my degree was in biochemistry. And so in that time, I was doing a lot of hospital work, um, working with patients, as well as doing my degree in training. And so I thought for sure I was going to be a physician. But actually, I ended up going to the Dominican Republic and having an amazing opportunity to work with people in low resource communities, which um, also extend to you know places like the U.S. as well. And, and I really started seeing kind of the impacts nutrition had on individuals and realizing, you know, the importance of resources and making 
resources available to individuals, not just in my community back in um, in Portland, Oregon, but elsewhere. And so, so I left uh, the idea of becoming a physician and got into research um, and understanding that being able to do research in the scientific setting or anywhere else for that matter actually can extrapolate important information to a wider audience um, as opposed to doctors are obviously very important. Um, but for me, it was using these experiences and, and branching that 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 knowledge elsewhere. And so, yeah, so I got into the biomedical engineering field. Um, and so I was doing nerve uh, research. And that was how I actually ended up at Cambridge, um, was to do my PhD in clinical neuroscience. And I think like most, as I, as I previously mentioned, COVID um, really kind of hit hard because I got that acceptance prior to coming. Um, and then COVID really kind of switched everything. And the thought was, is, well, what are you going to do after a PhD, right? So kind of getting into the PhD, but that was the whole miscellaneous crazy thing that then switched to, you know, I think nutrition and health is extremely important, um, as we know. And so that's then how I ended up in the aquatic group looking at uh, nutritional fortification of bivalves, which is the general term for clams and mussels and oysters, um, really to kind of address these health issues that we're seeing in, in the global food security crisis. That's really, really interesting, Re really interesting to, to hear, Broderick, which obviously then led you to discover what the Judge Business School had to offer there. So talk me through your experience of the Enterprise Tech Programme. And from your perspective, what were the key highlights? Yeah, so, you know, I think the Enterprise Tech program um, at the Judge Business School here at Cambridge is one that is extremely uh, rare and extremely amazing. Honestly, it's been a, um, it, we're very fortunate to have such a program. And that's really just because if you're interested, whether you think you have an entrepreneurial bone in you, I think there's a big debate about, you know, is an entrepreneur born or are they created? And I think it's really, it is that we are created as entrepreneurs. It's something that you can always learn and grapple and figure out how to grow, just like a lot of things in life. And so the enterprise tech program actually really does show you that. And so it's an amazing program um, that, you know, Dr. Rebecca Myers has started and a lot of amazing people have helped kind of bring this into fruition where you get to sit down and, and not have to have an idea, right? So there's the many different amazing companies or labs or groups that come with this invention, this idea that they either know or think or have an idea that might be able to be taken to market. And it's your job with a group of very many interdisciplinary groups. So when I was in enterprise tech, you know, we had an engineer, myself as a neuroscientist, um, we had an educational um, major or a master's student. And so you really come together as a, a very diverse group to then try and see and learn how can we take an idea and can it go to market? So there's no predestined plan. It's not saying it will definitely be a business idea. It will be successful. That's for you to figure out. And it's really amazing because you also get, you know, courses and mentorships. You don't have, I had no business background going into this, um, but they, um, you know, sit you down, you, you go through some amazing courses to kind of get you up to, to par, and then you have an amazing mentorship network. And, and yeah, so I think it's the enterprise tech program is one that if you're interested or thinking about doing anything entrepreneurial, or even if you have no interest at all in being a business owner or CEO or whatever, I think it's, it's, a, it's really an amazing program for anybody. 
That's great. And you touched upon there about the business skills that you you learnt through that journey and that business knowledge as well. So, you know, from a, a personal and professional perspective, you really you really feel that you've benefited in, in, in undertaking that. So how accessible is funding to undertake a programme like the, the, the JBS ones? Was it an easy process to navigate? And do you yeah, have any advice for others, you know, about securing funding? Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you're a student at the university, um, funding is available. There's different funding sources through the colleges or um, just talking to PIs. There's definitely ways. In, but um, in if you're not from the university, there's still, um, well, regardless, I think as well, there's opportunities for scholarships. So when I applied, I didn't have the funds, the, the complete funds to, to be able to do it. And so in the application process, there is um, the ability to apply for, for scholarship funding. And so that was very helpful and, and is what made it possible at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Um, so yes, absolutely. You know, Re- Rebecca Myers, the whole team um, are amazing. So, and, um, so it's always worth reaching out and asking them but yeah what would you say you enjoyed the most about um, the enterprise tech program Broderick ultimately I think it's it's about the community that you build everybody's projects are so different um, so the enterprise tech program is really broken into two types of ideas so you have the um, kind of the human and health and you have the earth idea and so that's these ideas or these potential inventions get put in categorized into each one of those. And so, as I said, um, you had people from, you know, uh, a biomedical background working on GPS type stuff or, you know, this earth that had nothing to do with their background. And I think that's the the most interesting thing is that really you do come together as a community and work together and figure out each other's strengths and their communities, uh, or it's a community that I still um, and very much in touch with today, even if we don't, you know, work together anymore. It's, you know, you always just have them in the background and, and you know, people are always checking in. And so, again, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's a job, whether it's um, you do want to start a company, all of those people are there and they're all so friendly and, and, and really invested in one another, regardless of whether it's something that's in their direct line of understanding or not. Lovely. And just moving on to the Enterprise Tech Star program, which is a follow on from Enterprise Tech. This program is for those wanting to develop their own business ideas. So what was your experience of this program and how much did it differ from Enterprise Tech for you? Yeah, the Enterprise Tech Star, again, um, in a way, it's a follow on from Enterprise Tech, but in its own way and its own right, it's it's very different. So Enterprise Tech is a fun opportunity to say you don't have to have an idea. Um, you come, you learn, you take these courses and you work through and you kind of figure out what it means to to really get an idea from start to, to market. Enterprise Tech Star says, okay, we're going to take that and now you're going to apply to something that you want or what you like or want to do or want to see forward. And so it is different in that we had a cohort of 60 or so my year for Enterprise Tech um, and we all got split into groups of five and you all get a team and you get a mentor and then you go through these courses and, you know, you work with the inventors. Enterprise Tech Star is different in that it's a smaller cohort. So it's about 15 to 20 um, individuals who interview, you go through, you do a business pitch, right? So you have your idea, you pitch to the investors, if you will, which are, you know, the, the leaders of the program. Um, and then if you're selected, um, you become a very small, very close knit 
uh, community as well. And so what's really amazing about this is that now you do essentially enterprise tech. So trying to take a, an idea from start to finish or wherever you come to the program with it at. Um, so you could have investment. You could not have investment. It could just be an idea on a post-it note, right? Depends on where you're at, but it's all you, right? So it's you going to these courses. Um, it's much more intense, but it's amazing because you still get that one-on-one -on -one mentorship. You still get this networking opportunity to talk to um, people in marketing and business and investment and, and really the whole work. So it doesn't matter if you have an idea in, let's say, machine learning, you're still going to have somebody in kind of the food industry that will be able to have a, an idea or some thoughts. And so it's really amazing because you get to now grow as an individual and you take uh, courses on how to be a CEO. You know, if you are in line to be a CEO or what does it mean to be a COO? So different things like this. So it's it's still kind of the same vein as enterprise tech, but obviously more personalized and structured to, to your own personal business idea. Yeah. Uh, that's really that's really lovely to hear um and that that element of being able to as you go through that journey of the program growing as an individual as you said there and and you know being able to use other people as a soundboard for your own ideas and and how you might progress and take things forward i think that that's lovely as you said building that community and that network around you and, and getting advice from completely potentially different sectors and areas and walks of life so that that's fantastic in terms of those those learnings from that particular program enterprise tech star um, and thinking about your own venture let's let's move that into the your own venture journey because you've talked about what you're trying to what your product is and the problem you're trying to solve so what are the what are the, the learnings that you've been able to turn into action regarding your own venture yeah, so I think um, going through this program, I've become much more adept at things. I still have plenty to learn, and there's that network. In terms of applying my own, or the learning from the Enterprise Tech Star Program and really Enterprise Tech into uh, my own venture, it really has been, I think, just having the, the understanding of if you need something, right? So, for example, really understanding kind of like if you're a product development, right? So if you haven't even reached that phase, you know, who can I talk to? Where do I go? Um, but also understanding the product development or understanding the landscape or right, the competitive landscape. These things that I think are intuitive and we all understand, you know, when you go through, you're like, oh, this makes sense, right? Yes, of course. Well, who are your competitors? Like, obviously. But when you actually get to the nitty gritty of it, you have to know the field and the landscape so well because right you're trying to figure out how are you going to differentiate from um, say another small startup or some giant corporation or some other organization that's well um, solidified so it's and I think also what this program has really taught me is that you know I've been somebody where I, and maybe I think most of us um, have have had this moment where it's like I have an idea this would be a great business idea and then you know maybe it's that same day maybe it's a month later maybe it's a year later you see something comes out that does that and you say, ah, oh, okay, well, somebody's already done it. Or you have an idea and you're like, ah, oh, but it already exists. And I think for me, that was always a block to say, oh, then I shouldn't do it. Or, oh, somebody's already done it. So I, I can't do that, right? I can't start a company there. There's already 10 companies, 20 companies, 30 companies in this space. And what this program has really taught me is to say, to look at it as a, an exciting opportunity to say, well, actually that means that there's something there right it means that there's an idea that people can buy into of course you look at 
you know, the saturation of the market and, and whatnot, you have to kind of take into account, is it oversaturated or is it this really exciting opportunity to say, right, well, let me talk to people, let me do surveys, let me, you know, talk to friends and family or other customers, you know, look at different um, outlets about this product or this idea that I have and really say, actually, is there something that's missing? And so seeing that there's lots of people there is actually a good sign because it means that I can come in and differentiate and carve out a little space. Um, and I think that's something that Enterprise Tech Star has really ingrained, not just in myself, but the rest of us. And also learned, you know, has taught us to be able to pivot, right? At the end of the day, you have to be very dead set on, you know, this is what we want to achieve. But at the same time, you're doing it kind of in this crouched position, if you will, you know, your knees are nice and loose and bent to say, oh, something, there's an obstacle here. Great. We pivot. Right. And so I think it's that pivoting um, that really the enterprise techs are. And just really this whole community has taught me that it's not somebody else has done it. Okay. I can't do it. Um, it's okay. Somebody else has done it. How do we pivot or how do we keep going in this direction? And I think that's, that's absolutely crucial. And that's so, such valuable knowledge to be gained there, because that, that will take you throughout your career, regardless of, of, of what you do in your entrepreneurial journey. Um, it's such it's such great advice. And just having that that cornerstone of looking at a situation and then thinking, OK, this isn't quite right, but how do I pivot? And that, as I said, that could be in any aspect of, of your life. So just going a bit deeper now on your your product and the marketplace let's let's explore that a little bit what are the what's the gap there in the market for that for your product application and who are going to be the end users or customers for it do you see broderick well to get back into my background in nutrition and health which is people listening i do not have a degree in nutrition and health um so this is all anecdotal this is all subjective, um, but having worked in healthcare and seen, you know, worked in the ICU, worked with individuals, and now being in a, uh, in a food security um, PhD here at Cambridge, you know, you really do see how important nutrition is. And so I think that is the big question now is as we're moving into a, a landscape where food security is increasing, we have an increasing population, we have increasing food deficits, um, and, that, right, and I'm not going to get into the kind of the the political landscape, but we've all understood um, recently, especially in the last year, right, how politics can have a huge impact in food availability as a whole. And so um, really kind of bringing that back into nutrition and health is saying, how can individuals understand what is healthy for them? And I think that's right how you talk about um, kind of landscapes as a whole in general is not just who, what are the companies as well, but, you know, what are these resources as well? How are, how are the politics involved as well? And that's something that I hadn't considered again until enterprise tech start. Um, but I think ultimately there is this question that is still not necessarily understood of, you know, well, what is healthy for me? And you have a doctor eat healthy. And so I think that's really kind of what the crux of this is, is trying to un identify that um, and really make a way that it, it can be simplified. Um, again, not simplifying in a way that I think we see with some companies where it's this kind of smoke and mirrors and you're like, okay, I'm purchasing into something. And then you find out, you know, um, you don't really know what's going on there, but it is about this transparency. And I think that that's um, the biggest thing is most people just say, we just want to relax and know that we can trust the transparency of what we're purchasing and we can know that it's healthy. We know that it's sustainable. And so it's really about getting into that kind of area. So in terms of the, the product trying to grow and harvest 
oysters in more of an urban setting or metropolitan setting as opposed to in a coastal setting. How is that going right now as, as part of your PhD work? Because um, I, I, I can imagine it takes a while for oysters to grow and a, a PhD is like a fixed time frame. So how is, how is it all going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you, you've absolutely nailed it on the head. So ultimately how it's going, it's 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 exactly how you said, right? There's always these days like any kind of company, like anything in your life, there's the days where you make these huge breakthroughs and then there are days where you, you're you sliding down that hill. You know, you're like, oh, okay, we've we've slipped back. What is this? I thought we had solid traction. So, and I guess to, to even go to, further to, you know, to the point of the differentiator, right? Nobody really has been able to grow or has really done oyster growth inland. And that's because, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different reasons. The ocean provides the water, the temperature, the food, all, you know, you just kind of put them in a bag. And this is a very oversimplified, you know, example or a demonstration and explanation, but essentially you can just put them in a bag, put them in the ocean, check on them in about a year to two years time, and you can take them to market, right? You clean them, send them to market. So a lot of people are like, well, why would you do it inland? Because now you have all of these costs, right? So you have to pay for electricity, you have to you know, supply the water, you have to feed them, you know, it's like they really do become much more intensive and especially cost um, intensive as well. A lot of landlocked cities um, and countries don't actually have access to these high, highly nutritious and micronutrient rich protein sources um, at the moment. So that's kind of the big differentiator in that as well. It's an interesting journey that you're on there um, from that entrepreneurial perspective, because there's a lot of consideration needed around that cost benefit ratio of doing it, as you said, coastal, inland costs going up. But the benefits, you know, if you can work that the benefits far outweigh the cost, then perhaps there there is. And that's part of that whole entrepreneurial journey of exploration, experimentation and, and really just finding out what works, what doesn't work and you know where the margins are really in, in all of this. So that's um, that's fantastic. It, it really is. And it's such an unusual venture, I would say, for Cambridge from from my own personal experience. So what is it like starting this type of venture in Cambridge? Yeah, um, it's been it's been a really exciting one. <laughs> and I think exciting in, in all of the senses, you know, right? Being able to do something like this in Cambridge, Cambridge by no means is the best aquaculture facility. We have amazing facilities, amazing research, all of this stuff, right? But so I think that's where some people would be like, well, you have other places in the UK that are known to being aquaculture research hubs, research facilities. But I think that's what's amazing about Cambridge is that we do have a ton of amazing intellect, amazing resources, um, and we're able to build these bridges and connections and, you know, really collaborate with these other people who are in a better position, right? Cambridge is not next to the ocean. So when you're talking about how do we transition to inland, I think it makes it an absolutely amazing opportunity because we're not next to the ocean. So I, you know, as for me, I can't rely on having the ocean right next to me so that's but that's exactly what I'm trying to do but what I can do is leverage these these amazing collaborations and um, networks with these universities that are closer to the ocean to try and understand um, and work through that and I think that's ultimately at the end of the day I think a lot of people think businesses are 
this is my idea. This is what I need to do. Everybody else stay out because we need to make a, make a space for us and we need to be the best. We need to get there first, all that stuff. Yes. To some degree that is kind of in that. Right. But I think ultimately you do a disservice to yourself and your company and the rest of, I think, society customers when you have that approach, because really what it should be is that collaboration, right? So it's saying we're building this venture that says it's not about me creating a company that's going to become this sole independent thing that then pushes all of the farmers out, the current farmers out. That's not what it's about at all. It's about saying, really, when we look at the health of our planet, the health of the oceans, the health of our populations, how can we diversify the way this highly nutritious food source is being created and provided right so it's about not about replacement but actually about diversification so it's this it's an exciting opportunity to to speak with farmers oyster farmers mussel farmers to say how can we work together to create a way to provide individuals a source of food um, that they may not be familiar with but one that hopefully will will gain more trust and also become um, maybe a bigger staple in different things, right? So I think that's what makes Cambridge um, a fantastic opportunity to do a PhD here. Again, it's really about having that communication and that kind of um, working together community aspect built into the venture to say, this isn't just me pushing my idea and my way of how I think this problem should be solved onto you. It's saying, what do you need? How can my expertise build something to actually satisfy that? It's a really healthy way of doing business there, Broderick. It's it's, it's um, really lovely to hear that um, that collaborative approach you're building in right from the very beginning, partly out of necessity, as you said, you know, you're in a landlocked environment. So collaborating with, with other universities or institutes or whomever that can be a part of that journey, it's it's really healthy. And as you said, you know, you, you're right, it would be doing yourself and everybody else a disservice by not collaborating. So that's really, really great to hear. Uh, and in terms of that ecosystem, because that's really what you're building around there, uh, an ecosystem ecosystem for this food source and its potential um, applications going forward. What parts of the Cambridge ecosystem have you tapped into since doing the, the enterprise tech and textile programs? And, and you know, are they were they just by chance coming across them or or did you already know them? Yeah, uh, and I think that's um that's an excellent question. It was in enterprise tech that I mentally started, you know, kind of checking my own ideas and saying, oh, do I have any business ideas? Do I have any thoughts about what I could do? And so it was kind of providing this great mirror or um, kind of reflection to say, okay, I'm going through this. Can I apply it to something that I've come up with instead of somebody else? Do I know anybody in this program or at Cambridge that would know anything about aquaculture? What does the business look like? Or what would this look like? What is the competitive landscape of that? And so then through that, you know, you meet other people that then support you. And so then it keeps going on. So then, you know, I'm now um, on the committee for helping with the Trinity Bradfield Prize, which is a, a business competition here at the University of Cambridge, where I've now gotten involved with that. And that was, you know, I think that's really how it's unfolded as an ecosystem to, to, you know, and really, again, I think it comes with the humility to say, I don't know everything and reaching out to them and saying, hi, you know, I have this idea. I see that you have this area of expertise. If you have time, would you be willing to talk? And, and everybody here is extremely busy. So, you know, obviously, um, but with that said, they're always more than happy to talk and help. And so I think that's really how the ecosystem has kind of 
opened up as I've gone through kind of this this path. But it was by no means like I think like most things in life, it was never this community I need to join and this community I need to join and this is what I'm going to do. Right? It's each time you come to an obstacle, you say how who can help me or what's the obstacle I'm facing, and then you find out that there's so many people around you that can help you and will point you in the right direction. So where do you see your entrepreneurial journey taking you in say 10 years from now? Oh yeah. The big, the big question, right? It's actually, it's, it's really interesting. So, I mean, of course the entrepreneur in me says that of course I, I, in 10 years time, I will have a, a flourishing company that I'm sitting here going, yes, this is what we'll be doing. And that'll be great. And we'll, you know, be changing that or trying to change the the field to really work together and, and try and address global food security. I think one of the, the things that draws me the most to entrepreneurship is that, as you've said, which I want to, again, kind of echo, is the fact that these entrepreneurial skills and lessons really translate to everything else in your life, right? So whether that's a personal relationship or a business relationship or a business idea or your hobby. And so I think from that, I actually don't necessarily have a 10-year plan per se. And I think that's the flexibility to be able to say I'm driven and extremely um, passionate about having this venture be something that can be a difference in the world. And again, provide highly nutritious food for addressing global food security and changing the way aquaculture is done and or at least helping progress it. Um, But at the end of the day, if that is not where the business lies in terms of that, right? So again, in that kind of mutual discussion between customer and and business, if if it does change, then um, that's also exciting because then that means that, you know, you're going with what people actually need and not trying to cram something down um, the market pipeline. And so I think in in 10 years time, um, I still see myself being an entrepreneur, but I think it's also the excitement if I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, but taking each day as it comes to say, you know, does this does this still serve a purpose of within my moral compass, within kind of where I'm at as an individual? And then how can that be can, how can that radiate outwards? So, and that that could be, you know, this company could work in five years and I'm already on to another company by that point, or it could be, you know, who knows, right? So, um, or it could be the same company, um, you know, slow burners and things like that, because it's everybody's company journey is very different. Yeah, I think part of it, as you said, it's um, it's being flexible. It's about being open. Even that in itself is having a plan because you're not being absolutely dogmatic and I'm doing this and that is the road I'm on and I'm not diverting but I'm going to see how it goes um, and see what's needed look at the market I'm going to pivot if I need to and I'm going to be flexible and open who knows that even itself is, is a great plan to to have because then you you know opportunities might fly in you might it's, it's great so I think it's a, it's a healthy way to approach the entrepreneurial journey there yeah are you an idealist or a realist? Um, I will quickly say I am an idealist. <laughs> Without thinking about it too much, I'm an idealist. Brilliant. Okay. If you could time travel, where would you go and when? Oh, this is such a good question. Simply put, I think I would go 100 years into the future. But I do genuinely think it would be interesting to say, okay, let's go even two, 300 years into the future and say, kind of what do we as a population or species look like? Do we exist? You know, what yeah, does that, that look like? 
right? Like, are, you know, are you going to step out of this doorway, if you will, and and it's just going to be a desert or overgrown tropics? I don't know. And finally, um, would you prefer a night out or a box set binge? No, I would say a box set binge. I would say a night out, but I feel like there's a lot of, you know, you got to have the right people, you know, community, you know, where are you? But, you know, if I was speaking for right now, I would say a box set binge. That's just, you know, I think the the weather is coming in. And also, actually, you know, I will tie this into um, another point, or I think an important point that um, of just mindfulness about really at the end of the day, you know, even in a box set binge, I don't know, you could be watching Planet Earth or you could be watching the latest television show on Netflix or um, what have you. Um, But really, I think throughout all of this, it's just about spending time with yourself and knowing yourself and who you are and being able to have that mindfulness to say it's okay to just relax and you don't have to be going all the time, which is something that I still struggle with. I think a lot of us struggle with, especially coming out of a pandemic where we're like, oh, we just did nothing for two years. We have to do everything. And you're like, all right, you know, it'll be there. (laughs) But yeah, so I would say a night in. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Broderick, for giving your time to be a part of this Joining the Dots podcast. Um, you, you've sharing your experience uh, experiences of the Enterprise Tech and Enterprise Tech Star programs and, and telling us more about your venture. I wish you all the very best for the future. And really, I think a key take home out of this is, you know, building that community and network, experiencing these programs to grow as an individual and utilising the the ecosystem, Cambridge cluster and beyond that can really help you bridge the gaps when navigating your entrepreneurial journey. Of course, Connect Altech can be a part of that navigation. We are here to help navigate, ensure that people can have connections and, and make collaborations. So thank you so much, Broderick. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much again for having me.